Please turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8. Stand please for the reading of the word of the Lord. And honoring his word today, I'll read a few verses. And depending on how far we go, we may let you sit down if we go too long in reading here. Revelation chapter 8, if you have that, say praise the Lord. Verse 1, the 8th chapter of the book of Revelation. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire off the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven last or seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hell and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. In verse 8, the second angel sounded, and it, as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea had life, and had life, died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and it fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters, because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon third part of the stars so as the third part of them was darkened and the day shone not for a third part of it and the night likewise and I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice woe 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 to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound and the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit he opened the bottomless pit, and there rose smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. There came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which are, have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in, in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared unto battle. Their heads were as it were crowns like gold, their faces were as faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. They had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, 
and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses run into battle. They had tails like unto scorpions, or one translation says serpents. And there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, three come, or excuse me, there come two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour, and a day, and a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were of 200,000, or 200 million. And I heard the number of them, and thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire, and of jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three were the third part of men killed by the fire, by the smoke, by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and their tails, for their tails are like unto serpents, or serpent, yeah, serpents, amen. And had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. And when you get to the chapter 10, it will bring you to the seventh trumpet. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the delivery of your awesome word. Inspire it, I pray, O oh God, for we know it is already anointed in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. You may be seated. Revelation chapter 6, the latter part of Revelation chapter 6, we had the opening of the sixth seal. We had one chapter, like a parenthesis, in between the seventh and the eighth chapter. Now comes the seventh seal. When you get to the seventh seal, the opening of the seventh seal and these seven trumpets, you are at the last part of the tribulation period. Approximately the seventh year or the last year of the tribulation period. Amen. The Bible says that when the seventh seal is open, there is silence in heaven about the space of a half hour so that even the praise that is normally going up before God in heaven is completely silent. It is like this half hour of silence is like the loyal the law before the storm. It's just before this great storm that takes place. In Revelation 7, we saw four angels, the beginning part of that chapter, we saw four angels standing there holding back the four winds of heaven. Now what is happening here is these angels, just before God's judgment begins to hit, they are, just, they are standing there and they're holding back the searing, fiery judgment of God, in a sense, so holding back the winds there that are going to come. Now when the seventh seal is opened up, this silence takes place in heaven. Because even the angels are anticipating what is about to take place upon the earth. So for a half an hour, silence. But it's also a picture 
of a Sabbath rest. With the seventh seal, you have a Sabbath seal or a Sabbath rest that is announced. What is happening here at this point, right after the, uh, <clears throat> this seventh seal is opened, you have the sealing of the people of the Lord, the 144,000 that we talked about in Revelation chapter 7. So the sealing of the people of God have taken place, and so there's an announcement for there's a, a rest to the people of the Lord uh, concerning the judgments that are about to hit this earth. Okay, are you with me up to this point? So it's a Sabbath rest of some kind. Also, when you talk about this silent period, you're talking about, remember Jesus said this, he said that my hour hath not yet come. He talked about his, the, the time of salvation and his work as being a time of an hour. Well, he finished his work. But this 30 minutes here that we have in the book of Revelation is when God's people enter into what he's already done. Okay? So you've got, in a sense, you've got a half hour, the completion of the Lord's work, but there's still a half hour that's yet to come. And that's when you enter into that work. Okay? And when you do that, you put the two thirties together, the two half hours together, and you have 60, which is a number of witness. You see, do you understand what we're trying to show you? So there's a lot going on here when this seventh seal opens up, and then these angels come forth with these seven trumpets that are going to be sounded. Okay? Now also, notice, go with to me to Joshua chapter 6. And we're going to see in the Old Testament the picture and type of Revelation chapter 8. Joshua chapter 6 in the Old Testament. In Joshua chapter 6, in verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up. It was shut up. So you have silence in Revelation 8. Verse 1, in Joshua 6, verse 1, you have the people shut up. So there is a waiting, a time of waiting and a time of anticipation in connection to the fall of Jericho. So what's going to happen here as these trumpets begin to sound, when you get to the seventh trumpet, that is when God brings down the nations of the world and sets up His kingdom. So in Joshua, you have a type of these trumpets of Revelation 8. And the city being, say with me, shut up. So again, in a sense, silent. Because of who? The children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Now, the primary reason for the sounding of these trumpets is the destruction of world powers. And the removing of everything that hinders the appearing of the Lord. That seeks to hinder his kingdom and his kingship. All of that's going to be taken out of the way with the sounding of these trumpets. Okay? Jericho is a picture of it when it fell. Verse 2 it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Say Joshua, Yahashua, just another name for Jesus. See, I have given into thy hand Jericho. And the king thereof and mighty men of valor. I've given you the kings of this place. Okay. That's what he's going to do. When these trumpets are sounded. The kingdoms of this world are become, going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Verse 3. And you shall compass the city. All the men of war. And go round about the city once. 
Thus shalt thou do six days. Say six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. Say seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times. And the priest shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast. Say a long blast. With the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet. All the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Got that? That is happening on the seventh day. It's happening with the sounding of the seventh trumpet, the long blast. That's when the people ascend up. That's when Jericho comes down. Okay? And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark of God. And he said unto the people, Pass on and come past the city. And let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priest that blew with the trumpets and, they, and the rear reward came after the ark, the priest going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice. You got that? You shall not shout. There's going to be silence. Nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I bid you shout, then shall ye shout. So they're not going to say anything. They're, they're going to be silent as they march around the city for six days. And as they're marching around the city for six days, the priests are blowing trumpets every day. They go around the city one time, sound the trumpets. People aren't saying anything. They're completely silent. There's no shouting going on. The second day, the priests go before uh, the people and they sound the trumpet. People don't say anything. They're completely silent. They do this for six days. But on the seventh day... Those priests with those seven trumpets sound those trumpets seven times. Okay? Amen. Let me make sure on that, all right? Let me make sure. Praise God. All right. Verse 15. came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city at the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. came to pass at the seventh time that the priests blew. Okay, I'm wrong. They didn't blow the trumpet seven times. That's what I wanted to check. They went around the city seven times, but on the seventh time is when the priests sounded the trumpets. Now, when they did that, the walls came down and the people ascended up at the seventh trumpet. So are you with me up to this point? So what you have in Joshua 6 then is a parallel or a picture of Revelation 8. Go back there again. We'll see the same thing again in Revelation 8. And when it opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. Because in the seventh seal, you have the seven trumpets. Okay? 
you have six seals the seventh seal has seven trumpets in it the seventh trumpet has seven bowls of wrath in it so in the seventh seal you have seven trumpets and seven bowls of wrath but our focus is on the seven trumpets today all right when he opens the seventh seal he says there's silence in heaven about the space of a half hour a lot of people want to teach that the church goes out when the first trumpet sounds because they look at these trumpets as being the wrath of God upon all the worlds but you'll clearly see this is not the wrath of God on all the world because one-third is affected here okay the rapture doesn't happen with the sounding of the first trumpet. The rapture takes place with the sounding of the seventh trumpet. You with me here? Because it's when the seventh trumpet sound on the seventh day, when the priests are going around the city, that the people ascend up and the collapsing of nations takes place. Okay. Are y'all with me up to this point? Give me a little, every once in a while, let me know that you're with me here, okay? So when he opens this seventh seal, then he sees seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now who are these angels that have seven trumpets? Are they literal angels, or are they prophets? Well, when you talk about an angel in the Word of God, there are literal angels, and then there are angels in the sense of messengers or prophets. When it says these angels come forth, it could be that these people are standing before God. They are prophets who prophesied of these things in the Old Testament. Okay? And the sounding of the trumpet is merely the de declaration of a prophetic word. That's what, remember in Revelation chapter 1, when, Jesus, when John sees Jesus on, on the Isle of Patmos, he turns to see the voice that spoke with him. And he, when he turns, what does he hear? What did he hear? And then he turns. He heard the voice of the Lord. But what did it sound like? It sounded like a trumpet. With me? So when you talk about trumpets, you're talking about a prophetic voice. So when you have these angels come forth with seven trumpets, then the, the trumpet represents the prophetic voice. So it could be that these are messengers declaring prophetic voices. Amen. And then you have the... The occurrences on the earth could be literal angels. I'm not going to dwell on that too much today. But the main thing is that we've got seven messengers here with seven trumpets. All right. During this time of this half hour silence in verse three. Okay. Praise God. Another angel came and stood at the altar. This is the golden altar. If you remember in the tabernacle in the Old Testament out of court, you had a brass altar where sacrifice was made. Then you had the brass laver. Then you enter the holy place. When you enter the holy place, right before the veil, there is a golden altar. That speaks of prayer and praise and worship. So in conjunction with the opening of the seventh seal, these seven angels coming forth with seven trumpets, in the atmosphere of silence, no praise, no worship, and no prayer, now another mighty angel comes forth, which is a priest-like angel that stands before or beside this holy altar of God called the golden altar. This is the altar of prayer. It's a type of prayer and incense or praise. Okay, you with me here? It could be that this angel is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
in the seals we had the preaching of the gospel in the trumpets you have the praying of the gospel it is important and that's why you have here this old golden altar in connection with the trumpets it is important that you understand that the gospel is not only to be preached but it is to be prayed That these trumpets are trying to get you to understand the importance of your prayer life. Because what you're going to have here is this angel, possibly the Lord Jesus Christ, taking the prayers of the saints and it shows you what happens to those prayers when they get into the heavenly realm. What happens to your prayer when you pray it here? It goes up before the throne. But before it does, this angel that's by the golden altar, I, would, I believe the Lord Jesus, takes that imperfect prayer that you have just presented. He takes that imperfect prayer, he mixes it with incense, and through, his, through the work of the cross, he makes your imperfect prayer perfect. So that when it rises up before God, God doesn't see the imperfections of that prayer. He sees the perfected prayer Based on what? Based on the cross. Because the fire that is on that altar came off the brass altar in the outer court which speaks of Calvary or the cross or the finished work. That's where he got the fire to offer the incense upon. So when you pray the gospel, when you present the gospel, then there is a reception of that prayer in the heavens. And following the reception of that prayer is the response to that prayer, which is the sounding of the trumpets. So all of these years throughout the, the time of the gospel age, all the prayers of the saints that have been ascending up before God, going up before the Lord, are you with me? Being presented to the Lord and then received in the heavens. What you see is them being received in the heavens and then you see the prayers being answered and what is the connection? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's not just our responsibility to preach the gospel. It's also our responsibility to pray the gospel. If I, if I could, if I, uh, and, I, and I know I can, but if there was somebody that I believe that would do this and could do this, I would place in the prayer room the whole time that I am preaching, I would place somebody in there praying for the ministry of that word when it goes forth. In fact, there are many ministries, and, and I think of one, uh, one I know well-known prophet, Tom Barnes. He's in his probably 80s now. Uh, every time he ministers, doesn't matter where he ministers, he got somebody that's in covenant with him to pray for that word to go forth. Because it's not just the preaching of the word that makes it effectual, it is the prayer, the prayed gospel that makes it powerful. And so this is awesome because as I begin to pray, sometimes I think my prayers are not doing anything. And I look at my weakness and I look at my imperfections until I look at Revelation chapter 8. And there I see them presented before God. Amen. In perfection. So pray the gospel. Pray it. You got to pray it. <clears throat> Shows you the importance to be a prayer warrior. Uh, it's 
Incense speaks of praise. When you worship God, every time you worship God, it is like incense that goes up before the throne of God Almighty. When you pray, it's like incense that goes up before the throne of God Almighty. So it's something that's very powerful, and God perfects it when He receives it there. Jesus does, based on the finished work of the cross. Amen. Now watch this. He stands by the altar. He's got a golden censer, which is connected again to the Day of Atonement when the high priest walked into the most holy place with that censer with live coals upon it, with incense sprinkled on it, and built a cloud up in the presence of the most holy place on the Day of Atonement. So again, it speaks the Day of Atonement in the most holy place. It reaches all the way back to the altar in the outer court. speaks of the cross. Do you understand what I'm trying to show you here? These, see, the feasts are laid out in this also. But anyway, the Bible says he comes and stands by the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints. So the seals are the gospel preached. The trumpets are the gospel prayed. When you pray and you fast like you have been doing. Then what happens is something very powerful takes place in the spirit. And so he offers it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne. Now think about all the prayer that's been offered up to God concerning the gospel. That his kingdom would come. That his will would be done. You've prayed for family members. You have prayed for friends. You have prayed for cities. You have prayed for nations that they would come into the kingdom of God and be saved. Oftentimes we don't realize though what is necessary for people to come into the kingdom of God. And so these trumpets are going to be sounded so that false kingdoms will come down and the true king will be seen and appear. Because at the end of the seventh trumpet, you have the very special, unique appearing of the Lord, like none of the other trumpets when they sounded. So every time you have a sounding of a trumpet, you have an appearing of the Lord. Which means that every time that I preach, and there is a prophetic word that goes forth, I expect the Lord to appear. But the seventh trumpet in the future is a unique sounding when he physically appears back on this earth when he raptures the church out of here at the end of the tribulation period and Babylon and kingdoms collapse so when you pray you don't realize what's happening nations are shaken kingdoms are shaken people's lives are shaken see the Lord doesn't make anybody live for him He doesn't make anybody get saved. So what happens when you pray, you shake things up. Through your prayers, you shake things up. You shake their kingdoms up. You shake their life up. You shake their circumstances up. So that God can then work in their life to give them the desire and the want to to come into that kingdom that is preached. But if you don't pray the gospel, then the preached gospel is not effectual. You must pray for the lost person or they will never be saved. In fact, I believe that Abraham is a good picture and a good example of this. Abraham stood before the Lord and he prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah before Sodom and Gomorrah came down. And guess what? Lot was saved as a result of that. No man is ever saved without being prayed for. They're not just saved by the preached gospel. They are saved by the prayed gospel. 
Because there's too much stuff in between their ears. There's too much stuff. There's too much stuff. Oh, yeah. There's too much flesh. There's too much sin. They want the world. They want their own way. So you've got to pray until God shakes everything. And when you do that, see, now be careful. Be careful how you pray. You know, just, you sometimes they say, okay, God, at any cost. Well, get ready. If you pray at any cost, it might be at any cost. I'm asking you, though, what it's going to take for some people to come into God. Into God is great shaking. From what? Religious mindsets. When you see Babylon destroyed, you're talking about a religious mindset. You're talking about world government. There are people who are very religious who are lost and on their way to hell. You've got to pray till their religion is shaken. You've got to shake. You've got to pray till their earth is shaken. And so that's what's happening here. Now, after all this prayer, you have prayed unto God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I'll create my own fire. I don't need you to create my fire. I'll create my own fire. When you pray, it's awesome for you to understand what is happening in the heavenly realm. What is going on there. What is taking place. You have the presentation of your prayer. You have the reception of that prayer. And then you have the answer of that prayer in these chapters by way of trumpet judgments. Are you with me here? But at some point, all the prayers you prayed for mama. And all the prayers you prayed for daddy. See, your prayer doesn't die. Your words don't die. Once you say something, your words live. They exist. They go on forever. They never die. They are eternal. Astronauts in space have picked up music that was played years and years before they were in space because the words keep going up and up and as you pray they go up through the atmosphere heaven and then through the solar system and then all the way to the throne of God they don't die they keep going up and so all that prayer you've been praying for those people and for nations and kingdoms and for your city they're up before the throne of God and they're a memorial before him which means they don't die they are memorial before him like a mountain before him so what's going to happen to those prayers are they just going to be bouncing off the walls of, of heaven forever and ever and as you're in heaven you're going to hear when you prayed for your brother or you prayed for your lost sister you prayed for your lost husband. You prayed for your lost wife. Uh, those prayers are going to be there with you. Reminded you that they aren't saved. That they didn't make it. And you prayed for them. But they didn't come in to the kingdom as a result of that. What is going to happen to those prayers? We have the answer in this chapter. They're first offered up before the Lord. And the Bible then says in verse 4. In the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand look at your neighbor and tell him pray the gospel and the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth and there were voices there's coming a time in the latter part of the tribulation period 
those prayers that have been prayed, that have been offered up to God, are going to be taken by this angel, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ, and cast down to the earth. And the Bible said there is going to be voices. What are those voices? They are the prayers of people. They are the prayers of the saints being cast back down to this earth. So that if your unsaved loved one is in the tribulation period at that time, and they happen to still be alive, they will hear their name called by you in prayer. The saints who did not make it, uh, but that pastor prayed for those saints. Uh, they're going to hear the prayer of that pastor as he interceded for them, as he prayed for the gospel to come in their life, that God would reign and be king in their life. They're going to hear the prayers of their pastor that was offered up for them. Uh, they could have made it had they listened to the preaching, and they were definitely prayed for. But they're going to hear it now in the earth realm, what was prayed for them in times past. And so in one sense, I'm kind of glad to know, if I understand this passage right, that when I get to heaven, I don't have to listen to my prayers for unsaved people that I prayed for forever and ever and ever. Now I know what's happened to them, offered before God and then cast back down to the earth. And those people will hear the prayers that the saints offered for them. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. See, the enemy wants to keep you ignorant. He wants to keep you dumb concerning what happens when the word is preached and when you pray. Something very powerful when you pray. Something very powerful when you worship. Things happen in the spirit world. They are presented, then received, and then they are answered. The Bible then goes on and says this, that as this, these prayers... Or the, this incense is cast to the earth. These voices are with them. Say the voices are with the incense. They hear the voice. Praise God. How many of y'all been praying for somebody to be saved? You got to keep praying. You can't stop praying. You got to keep praying. The Bible said there's voices, there's thunderings, there's lightnings and a mighty earthquake. Amen. There's a lot of ways to look at this, but I'm just going to stick right here. I, I don't want to confuse you, praise God. But I want, I want thunder and I want lightning and I want an earthquake to take place inside of me. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that your prayers are sent up before God? <clears throat> I'm just going to tell you this right now. For you to even think about being lukewarm and carnal and worldly and fleshly right now. What is, I would just ask you the question, what is going on with you? It is not worth it, praise God. You are living in times right now, we've got signs all around us. It's not time for us, even as church people. Let me just talk to the church people. If I, if I can't reach out, if I can't get somebody that's lost here to understand this, let me talk to some church people. Church people, it's not time to get fleshly. It's not time to get prideful. It's not time to get arrogant. It's time to preach the gospel. It's time to pray the gospel. It's time to be a prophetic voice in this earth. So that the Lord may appear. Now watch this. When that takes place, this thunder and lightning and earthquake. The Bible said the seventh angel, the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, 
prepared themselves to sound. How many of you have ever seen a trumpet prepare itself to sound? You ever seen a shofar walk up on the platform by itself, stand up, and then blow itself? I'm trying to show you that this is symbolism here. When it says a trumpet prepares, the angels prepare to sound. The, the, trumpets, the trumpets prepare to sound. You have symbolism here. Which means you have to prepare to say something to have anything to say. Amen. You have to prepare yourself to pray. You have to prepare yourself to say. You have to prepare yourself to preach. I'd love it just get up here, you know. Praise God. Don't ever have to study. And all God just gives me everything. That's just not the way it works. You got to prepare yourself. You've got to spend time in prayer. You've got to spend time in the Word of God. And then when you say it, it's going to be powerful because of there's preparation involved. Amen. The other day, I took, went and took my CDL, you know, test to get my drive, a commercial driver's license so I could drive that shuttle bus when we get it. And I sat there, you know, and I studied my eyeballs. My eyeballs about fell out, you know. And I got over there, and I sat down at that machine, and I started praying. I said, oh, God, help me to pass this test. I found out something very interesting. He can only bring out of you what you put in. If you didn't study, if you don't put anything in, he can't bring anything out. So you have got to prepare yourself. If you're going to have anything to say or anything to pray, you've got to prepare yourself to be that trumpet. Praise the Lord. And of course, we know in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God. So listen to me. That's a literal thing that's going to happen. But every time there is a prophetic voice that goes forth, there is an ascending, undescending of the Lord. Every time. I'm telling you why I'm preaching right now. There is an appearing of Jesus. That is the reason for the sounding of these trumpets. It's so that he might appear. And then when you get to the seventh one, it's his greatest manifestation. It's his literal coming to the earth. Hallelujah. So I'm excited to tell you right now that the gospel's being preached, the gospel's being prayed, the gospel's being prepared. And because of that, there is a reception of it and then the answer to it in the heavenly realm by an appearing of Jesus. Now watch this. Everybody still awake? Hallelujah. And seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Got to be somebody that prepare themselves to sound. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm prepared to sound this morning. I'm prepared to preach this morning. The Bible says the first angel sounded. Now... This is literally going to happen in the future. But I'm trying to show you right now also spiritual application. I'm going to do both of them at the same time. I'm going to preach redemption and ultimate in these passages as I go along here. I'm going to do them both at the same time. The first angel sounded. Say the first angel sounded. 
And if you look at this in the ultimate sense, this is the last year of the tribulation period. Amen? Seventh year of the tribulation period. The beginning of that year, or, or thereabouts. And I'll show you how I know that as we go through these trumpets. The first angel sounded. I, man, I came to have church. I know you came to listen, and that's okay. But you can listen and respond at the same time. The first messenger sounded, and there followed hell and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees were burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. Say, burnt up. So when you have the sounding of this trumpet, then you've got... What you have is you have hell and fire mingled with the blood that are cast upon the earth. So this is the answer to the prayers that have been prayed. This is the response to those prayers. So that now what the Lord does is he takes hell and fire, mixes it together with blood, and he casts it to the earth. And when he does, the Bible said there's a burning up of the trees and the grass in the earth. Are you with me up to this point? Now let's talk about that just a little bit in the future it's going to happen literally. I believe that this is be a literal thing. Amen. What, what happens when you have, now watch, lightning and hell are created with the same things, okay? Now, are you with me at this point? What you have is, you have superheated air that goes up in the presence of a large mass of vapor. When heated air and a large mass of vapor come together and then that air goes up high and it hits a wave of cold, it creates lightning and it creates hell. Watch this. When the Bible says the first angel sounds its trumpet, the Bible says hell and fire mixed with blood are cast to the earth. What the Lord wants you to see is this is literally going to happen. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. If it's some kind of nuclear cataclysmic event that takes place with the sounding of that first trumpet. But something cataclysmic is going to take place where we have fire mixed with hell. Large hailstones begin to fall back to the earth. And the fire just consumes along with that violence of blood. We have blood everywhere is what it's trying to show you. A very violent, cataclysmic event of hell and fire with blood everywhere. That's what it's trying to show you. So that one third of the trees, the Bible says, amen. One third of the trees and uh, uh, the grass is completely burned up. Now, when it talks about the earth there, it could be a localized area. A prophetic earth. Not the globe as a whole. It could just be a localized prophetic earth or prophetic area of the Word of God that this is talking about. But a third of whatever this earth represents is affected by the sounding of the first trumpet when this angel sounds. Now going back, what I'm trying to show you is that this hell and this fire coming down created by the same occurrence. But it speaks to us something very important. Because when you have cold, that's the absence of fire. When you have hell cast back down to the earth, the hell was created when the fiery atmosphere with vapor ascends up and hits the cold mass air and it drops back down. What you have then when you talk about hell is you have in a sense God turning His back. 
the fire of God's spirit is not there in one sense you have coldness you have hell falling down to the earth in a sense it's the Lord turning his back but in, in a sense it's not because that fire and that coldness is mixed together and it's the fire in this sense is a picture of his wrath coming on the earth say fire is his wrath now how, how vast that is I don't know but you have an absence of the presence of the Lord when you have coldness. If you're cold today, there's an absence of the presence of the Lord. Because when you've got fire in you, you've got glory in you, and you have got light in you. If you have fire, you have heat. If you have fire, you have light. And if you're cold today, you're absence of the presence of the Lord who is fire. But if you've got him inside of you, then you're a burning coal of fire. And that's exactly what God needs is for somebody to be a coal of fire. The Bible says he takes them and cast them to the earth. He needs to plant you in this earth. A people on fire with his spirit full of light and full of heat and full of glory full of the presence of the Lord is what he needs but if that's not the mingled with fire his wrath is in that situation amen and there's blood that's involved with that so you know what I'd rather be on fire for the Lord I'd rather be a, a vessel who prays I'd rather be a, a coal of fire cast back down to the earth I would rather be a prayer warrior and a preacher a prophetic word in this earth hallelujah affecting this earth for good than I would to have God judge me if you look in Isaiah 27 28 thereabouts you will find out that hell is used by God to remove lies it removes the lies praise God so what the Lord is doing when he does this is he's removing the lies that's in the earth realm He's judging it. Some kind of cataclysmic event, of course. Give the Lord praise. <coughs> and it could be that what you have here is a comet. Because a comet is ice flying through the air. Leaving a tail behind it as it travels through the air. Are you with me here? So it could be that what you have here is a comet that has entered into the earth's atmosphere and is breaking up. And what you have here is this fire. As this thing breaks up, you have fiery pieces or chunks hitting the earth. That's what it very well could be. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. In 1989, in fact, there was a meteorite that passed six hours in the earth's orbit. Six hours before the earth got there. If you don't think it can happen, it can very well happen. If the earth had been six hours faster, we would have been hit by an asteroid. Give the Lord praise. Praise God. Then the Bible says, now I want you to understand as these trumpets are sounding there in the last year of the tribulation period, that they're not, you know, like, okay, here's one event and it's separate from all the rest. What you have is one trumpet sounds connected to another trumpet, connected to another trumpet, and they're all connected. So there's one event, one right after the other, so that one affects the other as they're sounding. It's happened very quickly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says, ooh, praise God. Now, if you will put this first sounding of the first trumpet 
with the first day of creation, you will see the connection. Because the first day of creation, look up here on this chart, there is cosmic light. And so as you have the entrance maybe of a comet or an asteroid of some kind, then what you have as this fire begins to hit the earth, you have the entrance of cosmic light. You have light that comes in. So the first day is connected with the first trumpet. Now I'm giving you that for a very important reason. Okay? And I'll explain it to you as I go along. And the Bible says, And the second angel sounded, and there was a, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood. The first trumpet affected the land, the trees, and the grass. The second one affects the sea, so that a third part of the sea is affected. Amen? And what causes this to take place is the Bible says a great mountain burning with fire is cast into the sea. Jeremiah chapter 51 talks about Babylon. When Babylon is destroyed, it is like a burnt mountain that goes into the sea. Now, who this mountain is, I'm not sure. This could be when America is destroyed. This could be the very trumpet or the timing that America is destroyed or is burned with fire. All right? But Jeremiah 51 clearly talks about a Babylon that's like a great mountain being cast into the sea. So when I read this, I look in this according to the other words of prophets and I see the possibility of a power of some kind a mountain in the earth realm that's going to drop off into the sea either that division to take place or something's going to cause it to divide say divide and as a dividing thing it will fall into the to the sea and it will create a firmament in the midst of the sea what does the Bible say about the second day of creation? He says there was a firmament created and there was a division of the upper and the lower heaven realm. A division of the upper and the lower. So when this great mountain, I believe a nation, possibly the U.S., goes into the sea, there's going to be a division and a firmament in the midst of the waters of the sea. Hallelujah. Give God some praise. Now the Bible goes on and says this. And a third part of the creature. Oh yeah. A third. The Bible says. And a third part of the sea became blood. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea had, had life died. And a third part of the ships were destroyed. <coughs> Something very large. Something very large to have a third of the ships wiped out. And to have a third of the sea creatures wiped out. Something very large has taken place in the opening of that second trumpet. And that's why I tell you I believe it's some kind of uh, power, some kind of country, some kind of nation that's going to fall into the sea. Could be California. Could be the U.S. altogether. But it's somebody. Hallelujah. Give God some praise. The sea turns to blood. Amen turns to blood this is serious stuff listen to me you can harvest every piece of your body it can be harvested with the exception of one thing you cannot harvest blood out of a dead person 
You can harvest their eyes, you can harvest every part of their body, but you cannot harvest the blood of a dead person. And the Bible says the sea turns to blood, and because of that, a third of the creatures in the sea die, and one third of all the ships are destroyed as a result of this cataclysmic event that's going to take place. Amen? There's no oxygen. There's no oxygen for those fish to breathe. There's dead. There's blood there. You can't harvest death. Give the Lord a praise. In a redemptive aspect though, the Bible talks about in Daniel chapter 2 that Jesus is a stone, Daniel 2, cut out of the mountain without hands. And it comes and hits the image at its feet and destroys it. Say Jesus is a mountain, is a stone cut out of the mountain without hands. So what you hear is you see an entrance of the Lord Jesus Christ into the realm of men. Say realm of men. Because the sea represents the wicked. And you need the Lord to impact your sea. You need the Lord to invade into your life. You need the Lord to bring death to your old self. You need the Lord to bring death to your wickedness. And so there's a good, there is some good news in this. Hallelujah. Now watch this. The Bible says this. I hope I'm not going too fast here for you. But you got your Bibles. You need to read along with me. Amen. Verse 10. The third angel sounded. And there fell a great star from heaven. Burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon a third part of the rivers. Upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. In the Greek it's Chernobyl. Chernobyl. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood or Chernobyl. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. In this particular third trumpet sounding, there is some star that comes and hits the earth. A meteorite of some kind possibly here hitting the earth. Bringing radioactive activity into the earth realm. Chernobyl, if you remember in Russia, Chernobyl is when they had a radioactive accident in their nuclear plant. You remember that? Chernobyl, that's exactly the same word right there. So what you have pictured in this opening or the sounding of this third trumpet is you have some type of radioactive material hit this planet because it's called wormwood and it causes bitterness. It causes the rivers and the fountains to be contaminated with that poison. Now listen to me. What kills men at that time is not dehydration. What kills men at that time is the drinking of contaminated radioactive water. These are the things that this world is about to see. In ancient days, wormwood was an was herb that you got rid of intestinal uh, things with, uh, intestinal parasites with. But in the future, wormwood is going to be what kills people, a radioactive material that hits this planet. Here's the gospel in it, though. Jesus, the Bible said, he said, I'm a worm and no man. He was placed on the cross, the wood, wormwood. Wood is a picture of humanity so that it's the worm Jesus Christ hanging on the cross that removes the old man, the old Adam, the old worm. Give God some praise. So there's even gospel in that. So that the Lord can take your bitterness and turn it into sweetness. How? By forgiveness. And what you need to understand this morning is if you ever get bitter inside, 
If your fountains are bitter and your rivers are bitter, you affect all other fountains around you. It is impossible for your fountain to be bitter and not affect another fountain. It is impossible for you to be bitter inside and not affect somebody else on the outside. And the only thing that can take care of that bitterness on the inside of me and you is the work of the wormwood. The one who hung on the cross for us and died for us to take that bitterness out of us. In the, and so the way that happens is through forgiveness. We know that Moses was told by God to take a branch and cast it into the, the waters called Mara, bitterness. And when he cast the branch into the waters of bitterness, Mara, they turned into sweetness. Jesus is the branch of the Lord cast into your bitter waters. And because of that, your waters become sweet. So there is, there is good news in all of this. Say praise the Lord. The Bible said, and the third angel sent him, when it fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. Say fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And a third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. The only way they can be made sweet is through the work of the cross. Amen. Give God some praise. I went on the internet last night and I got this information. I got a, and as I go through these different things, trumpets and vowels and stuff, I'm going to give you some information of things that are happening right now in your earth. Because you think we look at it, we say it'll never happen in my lifetime. I got news for you. You're on the verge of seeing it. And if you're ever going to get in the kingdom of God, you need to get in the kingdom of God right now. You're on the verge of seeing it. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you that right now, in the Antarctic area, and this is uh, B-L-A-H, you can go in there and get this off your internet, B-L-A-H box. It's news articles on current things that are happening in the world today as far as weather patterns and uh, earthquakes and etc. All right? I wasn't looking for this. I was looking for something on the tsunami. But in searching that, I found this. They talk about in this article, they talk about flashes or blasts that are hitting this earth in the Antarctic area. Are you with me here? And they're not really sure as to what is causing these inner surges, inner surges or blasts. But let me just read to you briefly what it says. Amen. I heard on the radio and has... Uh, and has never been mentioned since that there's, that's not a surprise, that the massive size of the earthquake that caused the tsunami caused the planet to wobble on its axis. This came from scientists. Then he talks about what, something else that's happening. This is dated December 25th, 2004. An increasingly panicked global effort, there's panic, is now underway by the world's top scientists to understand an unprecedented series of blast energy surges which the planet has been taking from as an yet an unknown source, which has been bombarding Antarctica with cosmic rays. Say cosmic rays. And disrupting the northern hemisphere weather systems on a global scale. The first of these cosmic blasts occurred nearly five years ago and have been increasing in their frequency and intensity since the end of November. Get that increasing. The once normal darkened skies of the Norman Hemisphere Arctic regions are now in twilight due to these blasts. 
Wayne Davidson from the Canadian government's weather station at Resolute Bay, located in the Arctic Circle, says about this mysterious light, mysterious lighting. Talked about this thing coming in like a, a, a torch, right? Is that what it says? Maybe I'm on a different verse here. No, it says like a lamp. I'm still there. He says, talking about this, he says, Amen. The entire horizon is raised like magic, like the hand of God is bringing it up. This is a scientist saying that. On December 1st, 2004, the largest recorded blast sent, sent not only shockwaves through the world's scientific community, but also through the northern hemisphere, resulting in one of the largest weather events in recorded human history. Did you catch that? December 1, 2004. When this blast happened, it says, one of the largest recorded weather events in recorded human history, when 86,800 square miles of China was shrouded in fog, bringing transportation systems, uh, systems, especially air travel, to a virtual standstill throughout the country. Though not yet at the point to acknowledge this publicly, some of the world's top scientists are beginning to see an astrophysical Correlation between these cosmic ray blasts to our planet and an ever-increasing number of global events related to atmospheric explosions of inbound meteors such as those in Indonesia where a meteorite was picked up by Air Force radar. China where a meteorite explosion turned night into day in Washington, D.C. where one police official stated it looked like a ball of fire falling out of the sky. Friend, these things are not way down the road. You're living in the time. And I'm not preaching this to scare you in the kingdom. But if I can scare hell out of you, I'll scare hell out of you. So I can shake you up and get you in the kingdom of God. Listen to this. He said, whatever the end results these experiences reveal for these scientists, it remains an undisputed fact. That this world of ours is facing the type of global cataclysmic event buried in our common geological past. And maybe as some social scientists report in our common ancestral memory also. He clearly said, this is a scientist making that statement right there. He said, we're on the verb of a global cataclysmic event. I just read it to you out of your Bible. About a star coming from heaven called Wormwood when it enters the atmosphere. It's going to contaminate the fountains and the rivers of waters. And we're living in the time, my friend. It's all around us. Give God some praise. <laughs> the Bible goes on. Let's talk about the fourth one. And the fourth angel sounded. And the third part of the sun was smitten. And the third part of the moon. And the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened. And the day shone not for a third part of it. And the night likewise, the Lord in Matthew 24 says, this is the, the sign that rightly, just right before He comes, precedes His coming. This uh, darkening of the sun, the moon, and the stars. Matthew 24, start with verse 29 on down through there. You will see that connection. So we're in the latter part of the tribulation period. But if you see things happening right now, friend, how close are we to the tribulation period? It's, you know what? It is exciting to me. You know why it's exciting to me? Because there has to be something that's going to shake the human race. They're too complacent. They're too satisfied with their own life. They're not getting ready to meet God. 
something's going to cause. Could it be when this happens or, or could this, this, this star not be an asteroid? Could it be maybe some type of nuclear explosion that's going to take place? And when that happens, you've got nuclear winter. You've got soot and debris that rises up and blocks out the sun. I don't know but, about you, but a few years back, we went, on, went to Colorado. And we were driving through Colorado, the Durango area. Friend, there was so much smut and so much fog because of the fires that were in Colorado. You couldn't even see the sun in the daytime. In fact, hundreds of miles before we ever got into Colorado, that smoke had made its way just through forest fires. There's going to come a time, possibly, that this, this other trumpet is declaring a nuclear explosion that's going to cause winter, nuclear winter, going to blot out the sun. You won't be able to see the sun, the moon, or the stars. Give God some praise. And isn't it interesting, going back to that third trumpet, that you have this lamp coming in, this torch coming in, and breaking apart, contaminating the earth waters, that on the third day, that's when the seed or the and wormwood is an herb and on the third day that's when the herbs appeared in the land it was as the seeds of of the vegetation was placed in the earth on the third day the fourth day we see the sun the moon and the stars are blotted out and on the fourth day of creation that's when they were seen so what God is showing you here is He is doing a decreation of the old creation so He can bring in a new creation why does God got to decreate the old creation? Because when Adam fell, that which was blessed, the fifth, sixth, seventh day, that which was blessed became cursed. The last three days of creation, God said, bless, bless, bless. The last three trumpets, He says, curse, 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 or whoa, whoa, whoa. He is reversing the curse. He is removing the old creation and bringing in a new creation by these events. You need to understand this. Darkness. Say darkness. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of three angels which are yet to sound. He said the last three are the most serious. They are woe, woe, woes. Are you with me? I'm going for it. The fifth trumpet. Chapter 9, verse 1. And the fish, fifth angel sounded, and a star fell from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. This star could be a literal star, but most likely it is Lucifer. Lucifer. You have to understand that throughout the word of God, there is a fall line to the devil. He fell. He was cast out of heaven in the garden. He fell then. He fell when Jesus was crucified on the cross. Isn't that interesting? On the fourth day of the week, Wednesday, Jesus was crucified. And when he was crucified on the fourth day of the week, he put out the sun, the moon, and the stars to declare to you that he's the true king. Because the sun represents a ruler by day, and the moon represents a ruler by night. And when the sun, the moon, star, when the sun went out, when Jesus was crucified on the fourth day, he's declaring that he's the new ruler. That all earthly rulers are going to come down in the fourth day. Say God, say praise the Lord. But I'm going back to this fifth one now. See, I'm, see how they're connected? They flow together. And that fifth trumpet sounds. What you have is a star fall from heaven. That star fell in the Garden of Eden called Lucifer. When God cast him out because of his sin. When Jesus died on the cross the fourth day of the week. Lucifer was cast down at that time. He will also be cast down in the future in the tribulation period. He will be cast to the earth. 
And the Bible says in Revelation 13, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because Satan has been cast down in connection with the woe, woe, woe of this particular trumpet. Now I'm writing the word of God here. If you don't understand it, it's because you don't read your Bible. I pray that you're reading your Bible. It's all connected. He's fallen in the past. He's fallen at the time of the cross. And he will ultimately be cast down in the tribulation period. And then when he's judged, he will be cast even further down into the abyss, the Bible says. Now let's look at this. This fifth angel sounds. I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit. And there arose smoke out of the pit. And the smoke as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun... And the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pits. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them were, was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Are you with me here? He goes on down. He explains the name of that one that had the key is Apollyon. Verse 11 or Abaddon which means destroyer. So this is not a good angel that's cast down. That falls from the heaven. This is Lucifer. It could be Adam's fall. Now I'm not going to get into all of that. But anyway. <clears throat> give God some praise. <clears throat> Just to say this. That at some point the old Adam's coming down. And all that he brought in by way of curse and sin. Is going to be removed. By the last Adam. The King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. The Bible says. This is the first woe by the way. When the fifth trumpet sounds. This is the first woe. And the Bible says men seek death for five months. That lets me know that at that point you're in the middle of the seventh year of the tribulation period. At, you've got at least five months until you get to the end of it. Okay, are you with me here? Ooh, give God some praise. And when that pit, that abyss is opened up, locusts come out upon the earth. And if you remember back in the book of, uh, book in the book of Exodus, in fact, these trumpets parallel the plagues that are poured out in the book of Exodus. When God sent locusts into the land of Egypt, why did He send those plagues? Why is He sending these trumpets? To remove false gods. Give God some praise. It is the removal of false gods that are taking place here. And locusts are upon the earth, and them was given power, and scorpions of the earth, as they have power. It was commanded that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. Very unusual locust. They're not to hurt the grass, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have, the, uh, have not the seal of God in their foreheads. If you've got the seal of God, you don't have to worry about it. But if you don't have the seal of God, these locust-like creatures that are coming out of the abyss are going to attack men. And men are going to seek death for five months and not be able to find death. See, they're not going to be attacking trees and grass. They're going to be attacking flesh. And to them was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. They should be tormented five months, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. This is literally going to happen, I believe. But I got good news for you today. If you don't have Christ in your life, you want to die. You want to die. You don't want to live. You want to commit suicide if you don't have Christ in your life. If you're not dedicated and committed to God, you know what? You, you don't have life. You desire to die. But I got good news for you. You can't die without His death. If you'll die to Him, die to His will, die to His purpose in your life, then you will live. 
But in those days, they're going to seek death for five months and not be able to find it. The Bible says in verse 7, And the shapes of the locusts were like, and here's what they looked like, like unto horses prepared into battle. And on their heads were, as it were, the crowns like gold. Their faces were the faces of men. They had hair, the hair of a woman, and their teeth was as the teeth of lions. They had breastplate, as it were, the breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to burn men, to hurt men five months. There came two other woes more after, hereafter. Okay, you with me here at this point? Now, what could it be that is coming forth that it looked like locusts? It's got a breastplate on, that got the face of a man, that's got the hair of a woman, that's got the tail like a scorpion or a serpent. What could this possibly be? When they come forth, they sound like chariot wheels when they move forward. It is very possible that what you see here is a description of helicopters. I'm not sure about that. It could be some kind of demonic host that's coming out of the abyss. But when you talk about literal things, when you talk about helicopters, it could be demonic men that are flying them. And so what you have here is maybe a helicopter that's coming forth. It's got a breastplate of iron. looks like iron. It's got teeth. Amen. That's bullets. Bullets are about the size of teeth. It's got, come on, it's got the hair of a woman. The rotary tiller, the rotary thing that spins around here, it's got the sting of a scorpion. It's like that rotor in the back part there. Are you with me here? So this be, could be describing modern weaponry. Give God some praise. It could also be the tank. Because the tank has got one. What do you call that? You know. Gun barrel. It's got the head. Looks like a lion. Are you with me here? It, it emits sulfur. The Bible tells smoke and fire and sulfur is emitted from it. Could be tanks that you see moving across the land. Eventually, they will make their way all the way into the battle of Armageddon. Give God some praise. Say praise the Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Movements of natural armies possibly here. Also possibly demonic things coming out of the abyss that you see here. I don't know which one it is for sure, but I don't want to be here. I mean, I'm going to be here, but I don't want to go through it. I want to be sealed by God in my forehead. Because if you're not sealed by God in your forehead, you're going to be stung by Him. And it's like smoke and sulfur and fire coming out of their mouth. This is real! Thank you, sister. Give the Lord some praise. But let me talk to you about the redemptive aspect of this thing. Okay? There's redemption in the book of Revelation. You don't, maybe not know that. But from a redemptive viewpoint, these creatures that come out. That, now listen, just, just listen to me for a minute. Instead of receiving the judgment of these creatures, we should be the fulfillment of everything that this is talking about. We should have the face of a man. Which means we should have the message of the finished work of the cross. Jesus, God come in the flesh, died for you on the cross. And that is the message of a finished work. You need the face of a man. You need the hair of a woman. The hair of a woman. The Nazarites, men, Nazarites in the Old Testament grew their hair long as a sign of their commitment to yes. their king. Yes. So we need men. And I'm not talking about uh, gender here. I'm talking about Mankind. We need mankind, men and women. Come on, somebody. That have the message, the face of the gospel. They need also, come on, they need to have the commitment of a Nazarite to their king. <coughs> they need to emit fire out of their mouth. What for? To destroy the works 
of the devil. Give all the hand clap of praise. And it says when they move, they sound like chariot wheels when they move. There should be somebody who's carrying the throne of God into this earth realm. Because the chariot, Ezekiel chapter 1, carried the throne of God into the earth realm. So this should be a people. Hallelujah. We should be a people instead of getting the judgment of those creatures. We should be a people that's got the gospel. Hallelujah. Got the commitment to the king. Come on. That destroy the works of the devil by the fire of our preaching and our prayer. Amen. We should sound like chariot wheels when we move. We should be moving and the throne of God should be carried. His presence should come in place and his kingdom should be declared. Are you with me up to this point? Now in closing, hallelujah, I I can't believe I did this. In closing, let's go to the sixth one. One voice passed, 13. And the sixth angel sounded and I heard a voice from four horns of the golden altar which is before God saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, if this army that we talked about coming out of the abyss is a literal army, then what you have is the beginnings of a campaign called the War of Armageddon. And you see armies beginning to march toward that area. Now, watch this. The Bible talks about that there are, when the six trumpet sounds, that there are uh, loosing of four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. That's in modern day Iraq. And the river Euphrates divides Iraq southwesternly and northeasternly. Runs right there in Iraq. The Lord says when the sixth angel sounds, it's the second woe. He sounds and the river Euphrates, that which divides Iraq, are you with me? Southwesternly and northeasternly will be dried up. Why? The Bible says, yeah, I know I'm talking fast, but I've got to. Hallelujah. He says, for an hour they are prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year for to slay the third part of men. Say an hour. An hour. A day. And a month. And a year for to slay a third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand or a 200 million man army. In your modern history, uh, China has declared that they can place a 200, man, a 200 million man army anywhere in the world. Mao Zedong made that statement when he was alive. He claimed that he could mass a 200. Do you, can you imagine how large 200 million men are? And Mao Zedong said he could place them anywhere in the earth. That man from the Orient, that man from the East declared that. And watch what God's word says. When this river Euphrates is dried up, when these four angels are loose, it says it's to make way for the kings of the East, this army of 200 million men. Now I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat. On them having breastplates of fire and of Jason brimstone. The heads of the horses were the heads of lions, and out of their mouth issued fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these were the third part of men killed by the fire, by the smoke, and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. <clears throat> and the rest of men, now I'm gonna stop right there just for a minute. What you see, if you turn to Revelation 15 and 16, you're going to see the reason why these four angels are loose and the Euphrates is dried up is so that this 200 million man army called the kings of the east could make their way into the Middle East for the battle of Armageddon. You are getting at the very end of the tribulation period here when the sixth trumpet sounds. In the fifth trumpet, they're starting to move forward. In the sixth trumpet, by now, are you with me here? 
This 200 million man army is at the place where they're going to cross over the river Euphrates through Iraq and go over into the Middle East called Israel. So you're right there at the end with this occurrence. In the Bible you have the kings of the east and the kings of the west. They are in conflict together in the last days. So watch, now listen, watch this. For the kings of the east, the Bible talks about the kings of the east going through this area. Who is moving here? Number one, China. China, if I'm going to give you some key players here that's on your television screen right now while you sit in your pew. And they are talking about nuclear weaponry right now while you sit on your pew. Key players, China, king of the east, Iran. Watch this. Iran, in order for China to move into the Middle East, it has to go through Iraq. Watch this. In order for Iran, a nuclear power, to go through into the Middle East, Israel, it's got to go through Iraq. Japan, same thing. Got to go through Iraq. Are you here? North and South Korea, same thing. They've got to go through Iraq. Major players that are talking about nuclear wars right now on your television screen are the major players of the end times. That they, and I believe they are called the kings of the east. You are sitting in your chairs at home and you are watching history come to pass. You are watching biblical history. Are you aware of what I'm talking about? That right now, they're, they're trying, Bush is involved in trying to get people that have nuclear weapon capability to sit down in some type of an agreement. Northern and Southern Korea, Northern and South Korea, okay, Japan, China. Are you with me here? Very important for you. Uh, India, India. Do you know that China, India, and Japan are in a covenant together? They're in a covenant together? So the stage is set right now for the moving of the kings of the east into the Middle East. But before that happens, there has to be the drying up of the river Euphrates. And that's exactly what God says is going to happen in the sounding of the sixth trumpet. So I'm excited today. You know why I'm excited? Pastor, you've got to be crazy to be excited about all that you just preached. Hey, friend, to me, it's not a message of doom and gloom. Because if you're right with God, you, if you... And I believe that the church is going to be in the tribulation period, but we will be sealed before all that stuff hits. We will be sealed and protected by the Lord. And the last thing I want to tell you, that these trumpets throughout the Word of God, they depict certain things. Number one, they depict a call to repentance. They depict a call to worship. And they announce the coming of the kingdom and His King. The coronation. So if you won't repent and you won't worship, you will be judged because it also announces judgment. But if you will repent and you will worship, you will not have to experience these judgments because you will be sealed and protected by God even in the midst of this when it begins to take place. But if you're not sealed by God, all of these things will come upon you possibly. Are you with me today? So for me as a child of the living God, offering the gospel of peace and hope to you today, through the finished work of the cross, I can tell you that you can be ready to go through whatever you got to face. And I can tell you that everything I preach to you, if you know Christ, is good news. But if you don't know Him, it's not good news to you. It's a fearful, fearful look into the judgment of God Almighty. So you know what? You're looking at a pastor that's excited. You th- I, 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 know, I know you think I'm crazy. But I just want to tell you this right now, that I believe that before America, if America is ultimately destroyed at the end of the tribulation period, some people believe at the beginning of the tribulation period, if we are destroyed, I'm going to tell you this, 
We don't have to be completely destroyed to see the, the, the cataclysmic events that are going to take place. I believe before America is ever destroyed, there's going to be some nuclear fallout, some nuclear strike that hits America. I'm telling you, you don't have time to wait until the trumpet starts sounding. You don't have time to start waiting to seals to be broken. You don't have time to wait to get in the tribulation period when the vials of wrath are poured out. You don't have time for all that. You need to get ready now. And the good news today is that you can. Because Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day, the finished work of the cross. You can repent of your sins. Let me give you the true gospel, not a watered-down false doctrine. Let me give you the true gospel. I'm not going to tell you to come accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. I'm not going to ask you to come and shake the pastor's hands and become a member of the church in order for you to get saved. I'm going to give you the true gospel. Acts 2.38 says, if you'll repent... Say repent. Sound the trumpet. That's repentance. If you'll repent, here's the good news. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Death, burial, resurrection. That's how you get saved. Not shaking the preacher's hand. Not joining the church of your choice. Getting born again. And then after that, worship Him. Live for Him. Pray the gospel. Preach the gospel. Be faithful unto death. And all I have been today is this, is like that mountain going into the sea that troubled the waters there. All I have been is a minister in the hands of God that has been placed here to trouble your waters. Because without the troubling of the water, there is no deliverance. And so God has placed me here to trouble your waters, to shake you up just a little bit. I can't draw you, I can't convict you of sin, and I can't save you, but I can trouble your waters. I can sound a prophetic voice that He might appear in your life. I can sound the warning just like they did in Joshua chapter 6. As they walked around that city, they were sounding a warning to those people that were in that city. Repent. It's coming down. Get ready to ascend. I can trouble those waters. Jesus, amen. You and me, the angel troubled the waters. The Bible says... And there was a man, a paralytic, that was by those waters. And the waters would be troubled. He couldn't get in. And one day Jesus walked up and he said, be healed. And that man took up his bed and walked. Listen, without your waters being troubled, you'll never be saved. You need somebody to come in and trouble your waters. So God has placed ministry in your life to trouble your waters to get your focus off of the earth realm and get your focus on God to call you to repentance from your sin and to declare the good news that there can be forgiveness in the place of that bitterness. Now, I've declared it. I've prayed it. I wonder what God's going to do with it. I'm asking you, have you declared it as a saint? Have you, are you like a trumpet in your workplace? Are you like a trumpet wherever you go? Declaring and proclaiming the prophetic word that the Lord is going to appear. Are you praying the gospel faithfully? Are you getting it out there? Because we're in the days right now. They're setting the stage for what I just preached to you this morning. And so I got good news. I'm not trying to torment you. I'm not trying to scare you to death. I'm giving you good news today. You're looking at a man that's full of peace, full of joy, full of power, full of victory, full of the gospel. And the only person that's troubled today is somebody who's not where they need to be in God. And you know what? That's a good thing. That's a good thing if you're shaking up right now.
That's a good thing. If it can bring you into the kingdom of God. If you'll repent. Last thing I'm going to tell you is that once that trumpet sounds, once that word goes forth, your responsibility is to respond to that sounding. It's not just hearing it, but doing something with what you heard. That is repentance. There is no such thing of repentance without changing. Once you hear the word, you have to change. How many times the word goes forth and it falls on deaf ears and people, you know, they may hear a little bit, but they never do anything with it. That's not repentance. Can I tell you something today? Grace does not excuse what holiness demands. So don't walk around with your little placard that says grace, grace, grace. Because grace does not excuse what holiness demands. Never has and never will. So God is calling you to an old rugged cross today. And He's offering you eternal life. As we see the seventh trumpet sounding, we're going to see events that take place right at the end of the tribulation period. It announces His coming. It announces the King's coming. It announces the fall of Babylon. It announces the resurrection of the two witnesses, followed by the 144,000, followed by the general assembly of God, raised up in the time of the rapture and the setting up of the kingdom of God on the earth. We're going to see all that when the seventh trumpet sounds. If right now in your lifetime, you are seeing events, even scientists are saying, are pointing to cataclysmic event that's soon to hit this earth. How much time do you have to get ready? How much time do you have to repent? How much time do you have to pray for that unsaved loved one? How much time do you have to get on fire? I tell you tonight, I don't think we've got much time. But I do have the gospel. I do have the answer. I do have the message that will set the captive free. And as we go in the seventh trumpet, then within that seventh trumpet is seven bowls of wrath. And you're going to see great earthquake. All kinds of cataclysmic events. And I have documentation that I got off the internet <clears throat> that will really blow your mind concerning earthquakes. Right now, in a seven-day period, you will be amazed how many earthquakes hit, hit this world. Jesus said, as the sea and the waves roar, the earthquakes, etc., as you begin to see those things, lift up your head. Don't hang it down. He said, lift up your head because your redemption draws nigh. That's why I'm excited today. My redemption draws nigh. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Not just called, but called, chosen, and faithful. I love you today. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You are dismissed.